Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. But for all the ghosts. Hey, Christina. Hello, Adam. How are you? Oh, I'm pleasant. How are you? I'm fine. I'm doing great. <laughs> We're in the same location this week, you We guys. are. You guys know That's that. nice. That's really nice. Last week we weren't, and um, I think it worked out. Mm-hmm. I think it worked out. It's good to know we can do that. Yeah. We don't like Not doing ideal. That. It's an ideal. We like being in, the, in each other's presence. Yes. Um, because we can have coffee and bagels. This coffee is It's a good coffee. Right now. That Trader Joe's roast, man. Trader Joe's. I want them to be a sponsor of this podcast. Ooh. I'll see Trader Joe's can be a sponsor. Probably not, but I wish they could. I, I, wish they I could. have nothing but good things to say about Trader Joe's. I mean, they shouldn't have union busted at uh, their wine store, but you know. Yeah, aside from that. Aside from that. <laughs> aside from that. Trader Joe's, you have Products, good, great products, except stuff. for the time that they had rocks in their products. All right, because you know, like, then we won't be sponsors of Trader Joe. But I want free stuff from them. Well, uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Merchandise has returned. Ooh, that's nice. Um, the new the new design isn't up there yet. I'm still trying to, to, to tweak that out. And we still may move to another party. I'm still weighing our options. But um, for now, heading over to www.nymysterymachine.com will allow you to buy some merch. And is everything up there? Or is everything? Like what, where have we landed with this? Guys, I've been in a... The in Ouija a, board a, design is not up there Okay, right that's, now, that's my question. Because I still need to, to tweak yeah, that. Okay. Or... Find a new home for it, which is also I'm, a possibility. I'm, I'm working on two trains running right now, so we'll see what happens. Sounds good. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Friend of the show, Christian Branch, sent me his merch, and the tote bag looks really good, but the mug looks really great, except for the little logo is a little blurry. I don't a little like, too small. I don't like yeah. that. So we'll figure that out. Other things that we dropped this week. Hey, do you guys have crazy, weird stories of things that happened to you? Ooh, we want to hear them. We do. Easiest way of doing that is is heading on over to our Instagram or um, where you can go to our link tree. And our link tree has a whole link, a whole form where you can tell us your crazy zany stories. Um, We ask you just like your name or whatever you want to be referred to. You can write out the whole story if you want. Um, You can write out bullet points of the story. You could, if you don't feel like writing anything, you can record your audio or your video and just record it and upload it and send it to us. And we can either use the audio or we can just you know, transcribe it and, and use it as your story. Either way, we want to hear your stories. We we did this last season. We had one story of someone who, who reached out to us. So we wanted to find a better way of, um, you know. Gathering. Gathering that information. Um, so head on over to our Instagram or you head on over to uh, our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash NY Mystery Machine. That's linktr dot ee slash ny mystery machine it's also in the notes uh, on the show notes on this episode so if you scroll back to the episode and scroll at the bottom where you see our sponsors and where you see our um uh socials you'll also mm-hmm. see a link for this and yeah head on over tell us your story they could be crazy zany aliens goblins monsters weird things just strange occurrences we don't care long short doesn't matter to us yeah uh murders should go to the police Murders so, should go, as always, murders and missing people. Go to the police. Crimes to the police. But the paranormal stuff, you can come to us. Yeah, crimes to the police, always. Just in general note. General note. General note. Um, crime and, and missing people should go to the police. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. everything else. Send our way. Send our way. We'd love to hear it. So head on over to that link. Again, it's in the show notes. It's on our socials. Um, we'd love to hear it. We also have a review that came Ooh. in on the old Apple podcast. I mean, this came in in November, but for some reason, it just didn't, we didn't get the notification until like 
last week. Yeah. It was so weird. I was it like, was this... a lovely surprise. I'm like, this is like November. Anyway, we got a great, wonderful um, uh, review from Danielle Dawn, um, who entitled it Love, Love, Love with an exclamation point. She gave us five stars. And they wrote the following. I was late to the show, but that just meant I got to binge two full seasons. I love this show. It's like hanging out with friends and hearing an interesting story while you're at it. It's so much fun. I love that. We love it. Thanks, Danielle Dawn. Thanks, Danielle Dawn. We we love to hear it. Thanks so much for your review. If you would like, please reach out to me via email. That's a new way we're getting we're sending stickers as of last week. Uh, nymysterymachine at gmail.com and I will send you some stickers. And they're very good stickers. The stickers are great. We had stickers in all three of our designs. We have our original, we have our pride, which is they're dwindling out. We're gonna order some new ones, I think, for pride, for pride this year. But um get them while you can. And then we have our new Ouija board ones, which are actually a very limited stock. Those mm-hmm. are the, the least amount we have is the Ouija board ones. So um and if you're real good. Yeah. So if you want one of those, reach out to me on uh the emails and Danielle, of course, you get one. You get a whole little set for free because that was a really nice thing that you did by just uh Thanks for that. By writing writing a review for us. We, we appreciate we love it. Review. We love a review. Go be like Danielle. Go be like Danielle. Um, and if enough of you are like Danielle, then we could bring out our faux t- ticker tape little spinny thing again. Yeah. And um, if you want to be even more generous, mm. you know what you can how, do. How can they be more generous, Adam? You head on over to the Patreon. Ooh. That's patreon.com slash nymysterymachine. And for as little as $3, you join the community. For as little as $5, you get a bonus episode your way. So uh, um, the February episode, uh, the February Patron episode will be available on next week. Not on next week because that's a weird way to say next week. It'll be available next week. Right. On a day. On a day. That is next week. In the course of the next week. Prepositions are fun. Um, so if you're interested, you can listen to our bonus Patreon episodes at uh, on Spotify. You can listen to them on the Patreon app. And um, yeah, there's also some other fun goodies on the Patreon that we invite you to uh, check out. <clears throat> My voice today. Ah. <laughs> hey, Christina. Hey. Where are we at? Today's episode um, will contain some reference uh, to potential suicide. So... Just take care of yourself. We are in Greenwich, New York. Yes, there is a Greenwich, New York. I only think of Greenwich like the village or Greenwich. Connecticut. Connecticut. But there's a Greenwich, New York. Where? Um, it is part of Washington County, which is quite a bit upstate. I believe it borders Vermont. I don't think it borders Connecticut proper, but I should probably look that up. So we're going to type in right now as we speak. This is coming to you live. Greenwich, New York. To double check that border. It is bordering Vermont. That's what I thought. Um, so Greenwich is a a town. Oh, I even wrote it down. Borders of Vermont. Well, good on past me. Uh, Greenwich is a town with roughly 4,896 people as of the 2000 census. I haven't looked at more recent ones, but we can imagine it's hovering around 5,000. Um, it is an area with a rich indigenous history. Um, it's on Mohican land and is nearby Abenaki and Haudenosaunee land. And the non-native history of Greenwich starts in the 1700s. And the area was really important strategically during the American Revolution, for instance. It was an important place along the Underground Railroad, which is pretty cool. Um, things I didn't know about, about Greenwich until this moment. Fascinating. Uh, there are some former safe houses that are noted around the town and notable past residents include Chester A. Arthur, the 21st president of the United States, who lived in Greenwich for five years as a youth. 
and Susan B. Anthony, the suffragette, um, who spent her childhood in Greenwich. What a fun little town. What a, what a fun little town, right? Kind of want to go to this really fun little town. You know um, the fun ones. I go to the haunted ones. Yeah, that sounds good. That seems You like... can go stay in all the haunted places, and I will. I swear to you, we're going to do it one day. I'm just going to fool you one day. That would be so mean. What's going to happen is I'm going to be like, Christina, we're going to go to all the cool historic places that we talked about on the pod. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. Like, I'll make all the reservations. And then we end up going to all the haunted hotels. That would be the meanest. It would be so mean. The absolute meanest. Because then I don't even have a chance to, like, pack all the stuff. No, I'd have prote- it. You'd, you would have like, I'd all have, like, the holy water, the holy water the garlic, kit, the garlic, the, <laughs> the steaks. Great. We don't talk about vampires, but just in case. So, you know, I keep looking for a vampire. If anyone knows Me of too. vampires. I've been looking for vampires, too. And for not, three seasons for three now, seasons. I've been like, there's got to be a vampire. I'm glad you do, too. I literally, every now and then, I'm like, <laughs> Let me just check vampires? That. <laughs> Am I just doing, like, the wrong combination of words in Google? There has to be a vampire. There has to be some weird vampire sighting. Right? Well, let's be race, race to see who can get to the vampires. If you know <laughs> if you of know a vampire story, please tell us. So our story today takes place in 1889. It is a Saturday morning in late October, October 20th. And there are some kids that are playing around their house and in the area around that house. And as they're playing, they find a hat and a jacket on a log. And these are apparently some very upstanding children, very conscientious children, I guess, um, because their first reaction to finding a lost hat and jacket is to immediately find some adults and tell them that there is a lost hat and jacket. And as it happened, there are some men working on the road nearby. And so the kids go and say, hello, there is a lost hat and jacket. And the men apparently reported the missing hat and jacket up the food chain. Very conscientious here in Greenwich. Um, And up the food chain it goes. And eventually Reuben Stewart, the superintendent of streets, a real title, and the village president, also a real title, thought this was odd. Apparently, the location where the log and the clothes were found was about halfway between Greenwich and the next village over. Um, And here's how The Sun described the location in 1889. The village of Greenwich is located near the western border of Washington County, about 30 miles north of Troy, and five miles east of the Hudson River, opposite Schuylerville. It is one of the prettiest rural villages in northern New York. A healthy stream, the Battenkill, runs crookedly through the place, and having furnished power to the collar shops and the knitting and linen mills located here, flows through beautiful valleys and rich meadows to Middle Falls, where in its more rapid descent it now der- it now drives the machinery of a pulp mill and six paper mills. The distance between the two villages is just two miles, but as they are connected by a broad, level, beautiful highway, with good roadbed and nice sidewalks, with buildings quite close together nearly all the way, they do not seem to be so far apart. And I just really love the civic pride that the superintendent of streets and apparently everyone else writing newspapers at this time have in their streets in and around Greenwich. Now, you're saying that this is a, um, a rural town. Yes. So then I assume that this rural town has, I don't know, like a court. Absolutely. You know, I would think there's a court. And I'm sure the court has a judge, mm-hmm. prosecutor, mm-hmm. all the things that courts need Normal court stuff. in order to try someone. Um, what would you call then one of the people who get to deliberate and decide whether someone is innocent or guilty. A juror. Oh, so what like kind? A, like, a, like a rural juror. Oh, a, ru- a rural a juror. A rural juror. <laughs> long setup for that, you guys. Long setup, but worth it. We believe in a long setup here at the New York Mystery Machine. <laughs> the rural The rural juror. <laughs> um, in the fur. <laughs> and if you wore fur, it'd be the rural juror in, in the, the fur. fur. So halfway <laughs> between Schuylersville and Greenwich is a stone bridge and a pool of water. <laughs> and if you couldn't remember <laughs> the events of that day whilst wearing his fur, 
what would he be? A royal dodo in the fur. Who thinks everything was a blur. <laughs> the royal in the fur. In a blur. In a blur. <laughs> wait, wait. But this is what you come this for. This is what you come for. You I thought had, you were here for I had, ghosts I, and murder. I had happy hour um, drinks and, and, and wings with a good friend of ours um, from our olden days last night who's also a listener to the show. And like we were like, I'm like, well, people come to the show mostly for us. You're like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not coming for the investigative journalism? <laughs> KMFD, I'm going to have a conversation with you. <laughs> I, I mean, probably because there's probably better shows for that. <laughs> but not centered on New York. There you go. We're investigative. We're investigative journalists <laughs> out of the great state of New York. The great the state, great state of, New York. of New York. Not the rude well, we do have Rojos. We have Rojos in the blue, we're in the fur. New York. In New York. <laughs> God. Three minutes, by the way, of that. Three minutes we've done of, of this of this bit. <laughs> so halfway between the, these two towns, there's this stone bridge and a pool Oh, we're talking about a case. <laughs> there's a case still. <laughs> um, and and this, this stone bridge, this pool of water, is where the these garments were found. And I guess it's sort of secluded because... Our superintendent of streets, again, just really love that there is someone that is a super. I, I guess that's a real job, but I don't know. It sounds funny to me. Reuben Stewart just feels it's a little sus. So uh, he's like, let me investigate it. And sus it was. Sus. It was. It was. Twas sus for further investigation in and around the hat and the jacket and this pool of water and the stone bridge yielded the body of a young woman. Oh, no. We're dealing with a murder, guys. Murder. A murder with roaders in the furs. It was a blur. It was a blur. In New York. <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> in Stewart's own words, quote, The face of the woman was downward, the back of the head out of the water, and the hair was floating around loosely. The head was a foot from the shore. The feet and limbs were sunken deeper in the water. Now, the woman in question was one by the name of Maggie Horrigan. There's a lot of R words here that now I just want to keep doing Maggie like Hogan. I guess that doesn't really work either. Once you have, he has to end the, it, it, on the R, I guess. For has to end with the R. Yeah. Uh, so who was Maggie Horgan? You tell me. According to some trees I found on Ancestry. Cause, trees? Like Ancestry oh, trees. Oh, family. <laughs> According to some trees. Oh, boy. Spent... <laughs> She's looking into the trees, oh boy. y'all. Been we knew a... Christina was having a rough couple of Christina's weeks. But, rough... uh... <laughs> it's like, I talked to the trees now, and they said. Hey, ants, man. <laughs> they said that Maggie was the following. Not a real Jew. No, I, I, on a whim sometimes, I have a, a an Ancestry account, as they you know. all know. They, I know, <laughs> I know, I know you know. Um, and one, what you may not know is that I have, among the many trees that I have done for friends and family, um, I have a tree that is just podcast. Yeah. And it's like all the random people that we've encountered on the podcast that sometimes I just, uh, feel like I find a census record for it because I'm a weirdo. Anyway, according to some family trees that I have found of other people distantly related to this case. It seems that Maggie Horrigan was one of um, several children of Irish immigrants, a certain John Horrigan and Catherine Flaherty. Maggie had an older sister, Mary, younger brothers, James, John, and Thomas. And Maggie was this exceptionally pretty young woman. So Adam- It's always the exceptionally pretty It's always woman. the exceptionally That's pretty young getting woman. getting killed. <laughs> you better be exceptionally- You can't just be pretty. You gotta be exceptionally, exceptionally pretty. Exceptionally pretty. Ooh. Uh, would 
you kindly read this description from an 1889 article in The Sun? Who's reading this? Well, I would kind of like you to read it as the superintendent of streets. Oh, I don't know what that new, sounds. It's a new character. I think I think we can, you know, I, I can also see this going in the Francis Lovelace direction. But I, I, I the urge was Francis Lovelace because that is my urge as well. But like, I don't know which way to go on that. I guess I guess the superintendent is going to have his own. Because you know what, there is a moment I think for for Lovelace later. for Lovelace later. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Lovelace later. Lovelace later. That's a fun little. Uh... Uh, Maggie Horgan was 19 years old. Uh, she was a daughter of a farmer living near Cambridge in this county uh, and was born there. She was one of three children, uh, one of whom married Christopher Coleman and lives here. Her mother died in 1882, but her father, a small farmer, still lives on the old homestead. About five years ago, Maggie left her father's home to support herself by living out as a domestic. Uh, she is reputed to have been very handsome. She was five feet six inches tall, a very graceful and uh, well-developed figure, and weighed 145 pounds. Her face was strongly marked with the beauty of the most perfect health. Her hair was long and heavy and, and very dark. Her eyes, large and black, with well-defined eyebrows. Her lips were red and her cheeks rosy. Uh, none uh, one ever had or does now dare to breathe uh, suspicion of against her fair name. She was a devout Catholic and faithful uh, communicant of St. Joseph's Church in Greenwich. Her pastor, Reverend Father Field, speaks of her in the highest terms. Her habits were very exemplary and her manners, those of a young lady, of more refinement than is common of those in her position in life. She had many friends, though, but few intimates, and those were of her own sex. She had two or three gentlemen acquaintances, but her association with them was of a, a very formal nature and quite infrequent. Uh, she seldom spent an evening where there were gentlemen and was hardly ever seen to walk or walk with or, or speak to a man on the street. She was very timid and retiring and easily frightened. Thank you very much. That was a great, that was a great superintendent of streets, honestly. That's a good one. I feel like, that is exactly what someone who holds both the title Superintendent of Streets and Village President that's, sounds like in 1889. That's it. Well done. Mark it down. Mark it down. <laughs> that's a good, that's new character. Season of new characters, new, folks. Oh, man. Who was his name again? Ruben Stewart. Just a superintendent of superintendent streets. Superintendent of Streets. Let's, yeah. That's how we shorten that one. Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Let's shorten uh, Ruben Stewart to Superintendent of Streets, Village of President. That's how I have to do it. There's a, there's a growing list of all my impressions, so we need to just make sure that that makes the list. That makes the list. Um, so we, we, we get this really beautiful, rosy picture of Maggie, right? She's beautiful. She's a hard worker. She's religious. Her pastor thinks she's great. She's got friends, none of which are men, because that would be salacious. Um, she's actually never seen a man, you know, that kind of energy. Um, what's a man? What's a man? <laughs> what's a man? Uh, Is it like a woman? <laughs> are they temperate in their thoughts? <laughs> Kind to all who pass along the road. Would do no harm to nobody, no way. I love, I love your Maggie Horrigan as well. Your, <laughs> uh, so she works as a domestic. Her father's nearby. Yada yada yada. Now, when the body is first found, it gets brought to a doctor. S. <laughs> I love the yada yada yada. Yeah, Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. You know. <laughs> It, it, her body gets brought to Doctor S. Walter Scott, and he and some other physicians do an autopsy, and they say she drowned. 
She drowned, y'all. Yep. And the coroner's jury. So, yes, there were some royal jurors. Royal jurors. Um, the coroner's jury uh, was convened and decided that it was death by suicide. Aww. Now, you read that description from the sun just now. Um, and, you know, so everyone, you know, sort of has this reaction of like, not Maggie, not competent. What are the words they use? Competent, industrious, tidy, cheerful, agreeable person to have in the house, Maggie. Not hot, Maggie. <laughs> That's what it's like. She's very hot. Hot Maggie. Doesn't know how hot she is because the boys are never around. Right. She doesn't know what they are. And basically, everyone they has- kept her away. <laughs> they just kept her isolated from all the boys. That way, she'll never get murdered. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so everyone's like, no, she, this is, this is ludicrous. She did not commit suicide. So basically everyone from friends to family to the, the people she worked for, um, which was basically this one guy named Herbert Reynolds, age 52 and his mom, age 80. Um, Reynolds was like the local merchant owned a gross, like maybe not a gross, but like the local major store. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, no, this doesn't make sense. She was not in any way, shape or form to my knowledge, like having a rough time or, you know, nothing that would indicate that this would be what she would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this growing concern within the community that the initial autopsy was not as thorough as it should have been or could have been. And so sometime after, um, I think she's already buried and very shortly after that, District Attorney Hull suggests, well, let's do a second autopsy. And so the second autopsy was conducted with a different set of doctors as the primary investigators. These are a Dr. Jones of Fort Edward, a Dr. Niven of Cambridge, which is the, the town where Maggie and her family originate from, um, and the original doctors as well. So that Dr. Scott and a Dr. Murray of Greenwich, they're all there. And this time they reach a very different conclusion, namely, and this is something that I am fascinated would have been missed on round one, was a large wound on the side of Maggie's head. Oh, God. How do you miss it? How do you miss it? Dr. Jones said that it was a, quote, contused wound, i.e., this is an injury that is made but doesn't break the skin, might have some bruising, um, and that this wound was the size of a silver quarter dollar and was located in the left occipital region and that there was extra vasation between skull and Dermeter and Dermeter and brain, which oh, I hate when there's extra vestation between skull and Dermeter <laughs> and Dermeter and brain. I had so I many, so much googling of like, what the fuck are these words? Because my favorite is that these are the words that are quoted in like the newspaper too, and the newspaper does not define this. They do not inter. I'm like, does everyone in 1989 just know what this is? Mm-hmm. Oh, extra vestation. Extra. Did you hear about the extra between the Dermeter and the brain? Yes. So if I'm correct, what this all means is that there was. A wound at the back of the head. That's the occipital lobe. Sure. Um, the extravasation means leakage of blood or lymph. Um, according to Dr. Jones, what this basically means is that the wound is made probably before death and would have been hard enough to either produce death, but more likely at least to render the person almost dead unconscious. Right. Um, quote, I do not think the girl was alive or conscious when she entered the water. My opinion is that the girl received this injury to the head before she entered the water and when she was alive. I think the final and direct cause of death was by drowning and that the previous injury was contributory to it. I can't tell how the wound was inflicted, but there, but by something smooth. So basically, this can no longer be suicide, right? Like you can't, I mean, it presumably it's very difficult to hit yourself so hard on the back of your head. Yeah. That you are knocked out and then conveniently fall into the water to right like that's not how this works. That's not how, um, how science is. 
Um, there's another inquest ordered as a result, and more people start to testify about what's going on or not going on. So Julia Nolan, a friend of Maggie's, testifies to many of the usual things. Again, no gentleman friends, heaven forbid. She did say that a certain Ed Boyd was known to occasionally call on her, but only four times total ever, and at, not for at least six weeks prior to Maggie's death. Quote, I don't think she cared specially for him, unquote, which, God, if you're Ed Boyd hearing this for the first time <laughs> at the inquest, ouch. <laughs> it's like, it's like every, everyone here, great. You met a Ed Boyd. Ooh, that's me. That's me. I can't wait. What she say? Didn't care for him much. Motherfucker. <laughs> I thought we had something. Julia also noted that while Maggie was generally very happy, she had said to Julia a few days before her death that she hadn't felt well, quote, all summer. And once she even said, I almost wish I was dead. Uh oh. To this, Julia apparently said, it was wrong to talk like that and she shouldn't. Um, and Maggie said she couldn't help it. She made no such references the last evening we were together. This is Julia speaking still. She was then happy and lively. So that that particular instance, the last time they were together, was Wednesday before her death. Remember, her body was found Saturday. The presumption is she was last seen alive Friday, that she would have died Friday. So this is just a couple days before that. Um, on that occasion, Julia and Maggie had agreed to meet again on Friday, the day of death, near uh, near Maggie's house and that they were going to go to the post office together. Basically, it seems that their plan was to meet up with some friends and then go to the post office because they're going to hang out with the postmaster's wife. <laughs> As one does. As one does. I do really, again, another thing I loved about this was like, it's just so quaint and 1889-ish. Like, why don't we go gallivant to the post office and hang out with Mrs. Postmaster? You know, like, anyway. Um. So apparently when Julia arrived at Maggie's home at about seven, a little bit after, on Friday, she was told that Maggie had already left. Julia said that she then went to, quote, several places where I thought she might be, but did not find her. I saw nobody that evening who had seen her. She was naturally timid and easily afraid of the dark. Um, meanwhile, at the inquest, a certain Willie Tuft, age 17, claimed that he did run into Maggie a little after seven on that fateful Friday evening. There was a street lamp near where Maggie lived, and she was sort of walking very slowly, just a little bit beyond that. And she was walking slowly, um, according to Willie Tuft, as though she expected to meet someone. So kind of like, you know, strolling along here, waiting for the person I'm meeting. Um, Willie Teft said good evening, but Maggie did not reply. He said that she was walking in the direction of Greenwich proper. So I guess like this, you know, she's a little bit further from the main town. Um, and he was headed towards the post office, which is apparently the opposite direction. So she, in theory, right, her plans are to go to the post office, but she's not headed in that direction. She's going the other way. And the other thing Willie says is, I did not see her face so as to be able to recognize her, unquote. And so my question is, how do you know it was Maggie, Willie? I saw her, and the bitch didn't say a word to me. <laughs> well, was it her? I think I so. Did you see her face? Do you need to see a face to note somebody? Yeah. Often. Often. Often frequently. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like kind like of like a, a weird thing to be like, I didn't see her face. I couldn't really recognize her, but I'm pretty sure it was her. Pretty sure it was her, though. Like, and that's the weird thing. Like, in the either dark. It was, right. Like, it's 7 p.m. in October, right? It's getting dark earlier. Maybe it's, not. 7, it's 7 p.m. in October. It's darker. Yeah, it's darker. Like, 
It's it's probably worse because it's probably dusk, right? Which is like the worst vi- visibility time. For visibility. time. Exactly. So it's this, it's kind of a weird thing to be like. I absolutely saw her. She didn't say good evening to me. I How kept going. Dashy. I couldn't see her face. I'm like, well, was it or wasn't her? Maybe- I never want to see her again, and you won't. <laughs> way to go, Willie. Wait, wait a way wi- to go. Way to wish. Way to wish. Willie Taft added that he also ran into Ed Boyd on the road. And remember Ed Boyd is the oh, I remember You Ed remember Boyd. Ed Boyd. He's sitting there in the crowd going, Shit, I really thought that I told me this was going places. But you know, I I guess she didn't talk to me like for a full six months since the last time we saw her. And but so, you know, it's still But still you know things hard happen. to get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things are so. so Willie sees um Ed Boyd on the road and Ed Boyd is <clears throat> headed in the same direction as Maggie. So the two boys run into each other about 15 rods away from Maggie. What is a rod, you ask? Tell me. Again, learn so much reading this. A rod is five and a half yards. So 15 rods. Why do we need that measurement? Great question, I don't Why do we need five and a half yards? Right. Why? It's not, it's, <laughs> a yard is three feet. So, so I mean, I guess, I don't know why we need this measurement. Because if, if you're 15 rods, that's 82.5 yards or 247 the feet. The half. Why do we need the half? Why is the half required in this? I then Googled how long your average city, because 247 feet didn't seem like, like, no, like, it, I don't know. It just seemed so close. So I Googled how, like, the average city block, and that's, like, between 300 and 700 feet. So he walks into maybe Maggie and then walks into Ed Boyd, right? Presumably within seconds of each other. Um, Ed Boyd is uh, headed in the same direction as Maggie. So we can speculate, but that that is what... Willie says to us. Like, Why haven't you called me in these six months? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote you a letter. Boyd was, um, makes, continues on his way. According to Tuft, he then sees Boyd again later that night in Greenwich proper at about 830. Ed Boyd also testifies. He says he remembers seeing Maggie or in the words of the son, quote, thought he met her that night, unquote. Does no one know what Maggie looks like? They just said she's the most stunning woman. <laughs> But she never sees boys. But she never sees boys. So that's true. The, the men think, are probably I like. I think that was Maggie, the, the legendary Maggie. The legendary we Maggie. We never got to see her. <laughs> I've been in love with her from afar yeah. for the last. The idea of Maggie. The idea of Maggie. Um, so he thinks he thinks he met her that night. Um, and that when he was returning 20 minutes later, quote, he saw her standing near that stone bridge and that a man came along with a horse and wagon and took her in. But then on, I guess, the cross, what are they called? The cross um, inquiry. You know, when, what is it? Cross, cross examination. Thank you. Cross examination. Um, it seems that the woman he saw proved to be a certain Lena Grant, a girl of ill repute. Oh. Who testified that she was the girl that Ed saw and that it was she who by appointment was waiting for the wagon, yada, yada, yada. Oh. Which again, did anyone say, like, if you saw Maggie earlier, you saw what she was wearing. So presumably, you would look across at the stone bridge and go, "Oh, hey, that has to be Maggie." I assume because she's wearing the same thing that Maggie was. So I, I just, it just, that's a lot of weirdness. Is that Maggie or is that that sex worker I know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hard to tell. Hard to tell. Um, <laughs> is this the girl I've been fawning over for about a year, or is it a sex worker? <laughs> can't can't tell. Can't, can't be can't sure. Not sure. You know. Um. My other favorite thing is that, just as an aside, is that in this newspaper article about the inquest, um, it says that, quote, several girls of bad reputation were sworn in but did not give any informing testimony. But what they did say and the manner of saying it led to the inference that they knew more than they were willing to tell. (laughs) Just really 
God. So all in all, they're like, okay, something weird's going on. We don't know what's what. And the county puts out a reward of $1,500 for information leading to an arrest and conviction. And District Attorney Hull uh, hires the Pinkerton Detective Agency, our friends. Oh, our friends at the Pinkerton. Um, Where did we hear the Pinkerton before? I don't know. We'll have to check my very handy, crazy web uh, Pepe Silvia map. Oh, yes, the Pepe Silvia. Um, I think they showed up with several things. But they hire the Pinkerton Detective Agency and rumors start really flying about what was happening down by that stone bridge. More on that after our break. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Let's talk about Audible. Yes. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to memoirs, news, business, and more. And now you can start your own free trial by heading to www.audibletrial.com forward slash NY Mystery Machine. Your free 30-day trial comes with one credit, two credit for Amazon Prime members, good for any premium selection titles you like, yours to keep. The Audible Plus catalog consists of podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and Audible originals. Listen all you want, no credits needed. Audible allows you to download titles and listen offline, anytime, anywhere. Perfect for long trips or even cozy afternoons to yourself. The app is free and can be installed on smartphones and tablets, and you can listen across devices without losing your spot. I just recently checked out The Mad Sculptor by Harold Schechter, which we based a whole episode on. You're darn right we did. And I'm sure they have even more true crime and paranormal books in the collection as well. Again, Audible isn't just audiobooks. They have podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. Wait, 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 podcasts? Does that include the New York Mystery Machine? Sure does. To start your free 30-day trial, head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash NY Mystery Machine. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash NY Mystery Machine. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NY Mystery Machine for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NY Mystery Machine. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow.
And we're back. We're back. Maggie Horrigan, the legendary hot Maggie. Hot, hot Maggie. Maggie is dead. And is dead. a lot of people may have seen her, maybe, but no one can say for sure because no one ever looked at her face, apparently. No one's ever seen her. Um, so the county's trying to figure out what on earth happened. Now, one of the stories circulating was that strange men were seen near the bridge and the pool of water where Maggie was found. So a farmer claimed to have heard men's voices and the sound of a struggle, but couldn't see anything in the dark. Another story was that a man's gold watch and chain were found near the pool of water where the body was found. A certain Mrs. Catherine Remington testified that ahead of her on the road near Greenwich on the night that Maggie was murdered, she saw another wagon and she heard groaning from the wagon. Groaning. But before she could really ascertain what was going on or make the connection fully between groaning and bad in her head, apparently the wagon driver got his horse moving faster and the wagon was gone. So one particularly notable rumor was that the doctor of the initial autopsy, that Dr. Scott, the guy who said, mm, nah, we'll see what's um, He, the rumor says, knew more than he initially let on. So in particular, his name was... In particular, his name was connected either by implication or directly with the story of a certain Edward Scully. I'm not exactly sure if Edward Scully said the words Dr. Scott or if that's just part of the rumor mill or like how this happened. But Edward Scully was brought in by the police for questioning after he apparently drunkenly shared a gruesome story. Oh boy. According to Scully, he was sleeping in a barn near the bridge when two men entered carrying Maggie. These men said that they had been riding in a carriage when they thought they saw Maggie. Again, they thought they saw Maggie and they wanted to give her a start by cracking their whip. But instead of cracking the whip and frightening her, which what lovely people these are, they accidentally hit her with the butt of the whip and I guess knocked her out. And they sent for a doctor. And I think this is where they're insinuating Dr. Scott comes in. The doctor that they call for comes and says no 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 she's already dead and that the men then offer the doctor $500 to keep quiet oh god now by the time Scully was in custody he tells the police no 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 that's bullshit I never told that story drunkenly to anyone um and apparently he wasn't even in Greenwich on October 19th and that he could prove but then a month later Scully starts talking again and he and his dad claimed that a guy by the name of Lawton Wilbur showed up at their house and discussed the murder um though here too Lawton Wilbur ends up interviewed and arrested, but not held. And then in July 1890, so we're talking almost a year um, from the original events, there's a prisoner named Merritt Schuler at Danamora Prison, and he claims to have information, according to Schuler. He was living in Greenwich at the time of the murder and saw Dr. Scott pick up Maggie and drive off. Oh. And then that sort of as the story seems to die as well, Schuler was serving um, five years for forgery when he makes his claim. Um, he said that he would be happy to give testimony in exchange for a pardon from the governor. And District Attorney Hull seems to have been impressed with Schuler and the story and was interested in having him speak to a grand jury. But that never comes to fruition. It just sort of dissipates and that's the end of that. Um, now, as a side note, Dr. Scott is like, what the fuck, everyone? I had nothing to do with this. Um, he says that the ways in which he was portrayed in the, in the news in relation to these stories, and particularly by the New York Sun, ended up leading to his practice suffering. I guess no one wanted to go to the doctor who was implicated. Of course. Um, go figure. So weird. No and he does eventually sue the Sun for damages in the amount of $20,000 for a libelous article in which they basically say, 
that he rigged the autopsy because he didn't want to, you know, be associated with this. And in the end, a jury does award him like $10,000, which the son negotiates down to six. So anyway, there's like a whole other little libel oh case. God. Um, now, in the end, it seems that Maggie Horgan's death would simply fade from the press um, and from any solid investigative leads. In the words of the son, um, the same article that we started with, quote, the true story of the death of Maggie Horrigan has not yet been told and probably never will be. Mm. So the case remains unsolved. Um, we have I'm just going to do a cu- quick rehash because I want I want your theory. Um, we have Maggie Horrigan telling her employer, I'm going to go out with Julia and friends and hang out with the postmaster's wife. And then uh, they she goes out a little bit before i guess seven because julia shows up a little after seven she's hanging out along the road um as one does as one does you hang out by the road you're like where can i where should i be hanging out tonight the road Ooh, the road um she is potentially spotted by one or two people uh right ed boyd and this willie taft who say that she's sort of walking slowly as though she's waiting for someone presumably her friends julia who come a knocking and can't find her um, Coming out, can. although interestingly, for someone who's waiting, like walking slowly, waiting for someone, Julia, who's act actively looking for Maggie, does not hit her on this road. Right? Like she does not come upon her. Um, and then there are stories about wagons. There are stories about men, a couple of men near a stone bridge. Um, there's this whole Doctor Scott angle. What do you think happened? I think it's like fucking Ed Boyd. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's Ed Boyd. I don't. I just think that like that whole. <laughs> I think I saw him. Maybe, maybe wow, could have been a sex worker, <laughs> but I think it was Maggie. I think it was Maggie. Um, I think. I don't know. It feels that feels. I don't know. I don't like the whole. I think it was this girl, but it wasn't. I know he wasn't the only person, right. but like, if we're looking at the world of like, where is the, like, where is the only like motivation? Like, that is, like, where the only motivation is. I don't know. That's my thought. Yeah. Ed Boyd. Um, I have a hot take. Yeah. I want the hot take sting. Hot take. Beautiful. Thank you. What is, Adam, the the one thing you never wanted to hear again? What is, what is, what words, what words do you not want me to say right now? Hazel Drew. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to say Hazel Drew. It is giving Hazel Drew energy, and here's why. It has the same components, right? This this girl that everyone kind of maybe sees walking down a very obvious road, right, slowly like she's waiting for someone. And then uh, other people are like, nope, can't, can't seem to find her, even though they're all, like, in the same area at the same time, right? It's the discovery of the body in this body of water but the hat and the jacket just carefully placed on a log nearby or something mm. like that or under a bush I forget what exactly what it was with Hazel Drew but like that you know the same kind of per- right working as a domestic somewhere um, extremely you know pure and whatever granted we find out some things about Hazel Drew later but that's not just I mean not to cast shade here but like who knows we we just don't have more about Maggie it's not to say that there wasn't something happening my hot take is that it's the same murderer 
Oh, snap. Over the course of like 20 years. Because there are, in the course of looking at Maggie Horrigan, there's a couple of other times where um, where some young, beautiful girl is found dead in a body of water in upstate New York. And it's just a quick look at some of those articles around this time. Um, there's one in like Salem, New York, where it very specifically says, you know, just a few months later, just a few months ago, it was Maggie Horrigan. And everyone in this town seems to think it must be the same person. And when we were doing Hazel True, there was in somewhere in one of the books I read, there was a discussion of the possibility that it was linked to another murder of a young girl found in a pond with a wound in her over her head that then drowned when they put her in the water just like a couple of years earlier. So there's a series of young women of about the same age in upper New York mm. disappearing, waiting on roads, being dragged off in a wagon. I don't know. I don't know. This is the hot take I'm going with. I know we said we solved Hazel Drew in season one, with, but I'm reopening it. Reopening the Hazel Drew. As a, a potential serial killer over the course of several decades. Well, Christina. Yes, Adam. I wonder what our listeners think. I, th- I wonder too. I wonder if they have any hot theories or hot yeah. takes. And you know what they can do now? What can they do, Adam? If you have a hot take about this episode, right now, in this moment, after you're done listening, or pause it, if you dial the following number, you will enter our hot take hotline. <gasps> I do love this. So you head on over, you you dial 917-426-4262, also in the show notes, 917 917- Han Hanna. Great. 917-426-4262. Yes, I tried to get 917 hot take, but it was not available. Um, if you dial that number, leave us a voicemail yeah. and leave us your hot take. And maybe your hot take will be on the air. Let us know in that if we have the permission to if you call like, us, just use no, your voice. No, if okay. If you call us, we're assuming we can use it. That's fair. That's fair. So disguise your voice if you don't want your voice. (laughs) Use my impression. I was just about to say, send it as Francis Lace. Um, But dial 917-426-4262. Also, the numbers in our show show notes. Uh, And give us your hot take. Let us know. Leave a voice message. And uh, we're interested to see what you have. Well, Christina. Well, Adam. I never thought Hazel Drew would come back into my life. I... I'm only finding. So we started with my Pepe Silvio map being all about how everything connects to Tammany. There's going to be like a deep connection sub map where it's really all about Hazel True. Well, uh, we'd love to hear from you all. Um, be sure to leave us uh, a five star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Audible. Um, be sure if you're interested in becoming our patron, heading over to patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. For merch, you head on over to nymysterymachine.com. Um, all the things. We're back next week with an all new episode of the old podcast. I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. Thank you ever so much for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. A Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. <laughs>